chapter 17. Beginning in verse 12. Let's begin reading in verse 15. This John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from what? The evil, very important of what we're going to be speaking on today. The evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them, where? To the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they may, they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Talking about evangelism here. That all of them may be what? One. Unity. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So that the world might what? Believe. That's important. That you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. May they be brought to complete what? Unity. To let the world know. That you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I pray for the ability to take, for the gospel's sake, a good punch. And I pray for unity of the body. That we would understand, Lord God, the importance of unity in evangelism. Going through trials in evangelism. I honor you and I praise you and I pray that the our tribe may increase here, Lord God. These seats will be filled through our testimonies. I ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. The title of my sermon is Together, Together. To gather together. Okay? And actually those words are very, very uh, closely related. And I'll bring that out at the end of my sermon. But we're called to gather. Neglect not the assembly of the saints as, as a custom of some... Yes, to gather together here as a body, as the church. That's why you got to come to church. Very important. That's what Hebrews says. I believe Hebrews 10, 25. But also we're supposed to go out there and gather the people to come in. Evangelism. Now, here in John 17, Christ is not only praying for the salvation of the world, it's people. But if you examine John 17 rather closely, you're going to also find, and you're going to be able to see, the way and the means on how to win the world. He's praying for the world. He wants to win the world, but, and I read this very, very precautiously, and I brought out the word evil, and I brought out the word unity, because he tells us how to win the world. How many want to win the world? Amen. Don't you want to see your loved ones saved? Well, today we're going to learn how. Okay? It's very important. Uh, I'm not going to give you the ABCs on how to win a person to Christ, like the Romans road. You know the Romans road? Romans 10, 9, Romans 3, 26, Romans 6, uh, 23. No, no, no. I'm not going to give you that kind of how to win the world. Okay, we're going to be dealing with character. We're going to be dealing with, with, with you know, the person you take to bed at, at night, okay? That's, that's what we're going to look at, how to reach the world. That they may believe, the Bible says. How are they to believe? Through our character. 
by our godly Christian character, the world is caught and brought to belief. That's what John 17 is saying. That's what Jesus is saying there. So, as the basis and as the primer for evangelism, Jesus is saying that it's not so much on what we do that can convert and win the world, but it's more of what we are. Mm. Did you hear me? Yes, we got to go do. We got to be doers of the word. It's important that we evangelize. Important you have flyers and pass them out. Yes, but it's not so much on what we do as much as it's who you are. Because you know, if you're testimonying together, wow, they'll get the flyers and say, yeah, but this, yeah, but this guy, oh, this man, huh? Character. And we've learned about the character before in Matthew. It can't be exchanged. Remember that? I'm in of my notes, but I better bring it out now. And Matthew 25 is talking about the, 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 the virgins, the five virgins that would have the oil, the five that didn't have the oil. And when the bridegroom came, which means the testing, the tough, tough times, when, when the bridegroom came, five uh, wise virgins had the oil. And the other five didn't. So when the bridegroom came, he had to light their lamps because they were going to have the bridegroom. That's the way they used to do it. Bridegrooms would always come at night, and the lamps would, 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 would light their way. How to get to the... Their old lady's pad, Hallelujah. Uh, how to get to the, 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 the bride's house where she was there all in white waiting for the bridegroom. Here comes the bridegroom. Who? excuse me. Uh, and so they, but five of them didn't have the oil. So they, they, they burned, the, 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 they lit it for just a little while, but since there was no oil, so they had, to, they had to go buy the oil. But that was too late. See, because in other words, oil stands for character. You either got it or you don't. And when push comes to a shove, we're going to see what you're made of. Where do you get oil? Right here. Right here. Right here. Preach it. Uh, this is where you get oil. Uh, and you either got it or you don't. It can't be exchanged. Because the, the five foolish virgins, they asked the, the five wise ones, give me some oil. And, the, and they said, no way, Jose. Uh-uh. Uh, no. That's what they said. It was a very adamant no in the Greek. There's no way at all. That's what it means in the Greek. Because you can't exchange character when, when, when push comes to a shove. You either got it or you don't. That's why I've said before, it's important you come to church. It's important you, you stay in your word because push is going to come to a shove. And then we're going to see what you're made of. Ah. So, character. Very important. What we are more than what we do. Uh, see, character is a big key to evangelism. And we want to evangelize. We want to win the world. In verse 9, there of John 17, it seems as though Jesus is excluding certain people from salvation when he says, I pray not for the world. He says that in verse 9. See that? And it seems like he's, it seems like he's excluding some certain people. In other words, uh, forget about the world. I'm excluding them. But that's not so. What Christ is saying, once you read the rest of the verses and the rest of the chapter, is that he's praying for a certain, the, the certain disciples that he has with him. That the world through them may come to belief. Jesus is saying, I pray for those that the world might believe. In other words, they're going to believe through my disciples. How's the world going to believe? Through you and I. Through our character. Ah, means so much. See, Christ is never into exclusion. Verse 9 looks like he's excluding people, but he's not. He's always into inclusion. Okay? For God so loved who? The world, his circle of love is big, huge. Okay, and I spoke a sermon years ago on circle of love. I was reading it the other day. It's a bit profound. I want to bring it out someday again about your circle of love. 
Uh, the people that are in your circle can never hurt you. The only people that can hurt you, but this, I'm going to throw this in for a quick change. Okay? Only the people that are in your circle, they can never hurt you. God, I hope I'm there. Uh, but if I'm outside your circle, anybody outside your circle, those are the ones that can hurt you. Which means, this is deep here, I'm just throwing this in real quick. For God so loved the who? That means nobody can hurt him. Nobody can hurt him. Huh? So we better love the world, people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, or else we're going to be hurt all the time. If you're the ones that are hurt all the time, that means you've got a lot of love. <laughs> they hurt me. Uh, see, Jesus is more into inclusion versus exclusion. God is not willing that any should perish, but how many come to repentance? All. It's the whole world. And while, yes, my friend, the Bible instructs us to love our neighbor, which has a hint of exclusion as well, doesn't it? Stay with me here. When it says, love your neighbor, it seems like, well, then if you're not my neighbor, I'm not going to love you then. Ah, it has a hint of exclusion, exclusiveness. But the Bible also tells us to love our enemies. <laughs> so you got to keep reading. Ah, read the fine print. Uh, that'll broaden our circle of love and include everybody. See, the brunt of the whole of what Jesus is trying to say here in John 17 is that he has chosen, he's elected to win and evangelize the world through a certain few. Uh, that's, that's how he's chosen to do it. You and I, the people that have been born again. But our calling, our election, is not to keep and to bogart the blessing of God for ourselves that we have. No way. But rather, we are called to be a channel to distribute the blessings of God that God has given us, which is the Word of God. We're not called to privilege, but to service. Are you with me? Well, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm going to heaven. And you can go to hell. Do not pass go, go directly to hell. Do not collect $200. Uh, we're not playing Monopoly here. See, through the believer, God seeks the non-believer. Through the church, he seeks the world. Are you with me? That's what he does through you and I. That's why he saved us. For a purpose. I've said it before. If all he did was save us just to go to heaven, we'd shoot you the minute you get saved. We'd have a gun right here. You're born again? Pa! Go to heaven. Uh, see you later, alligator. Uh, no way. See, again, how does Jesus say we are to win the world and to bring people to salvation? In John 17, he says, through our character. Uh, who we are is just as important, if not more important, than what we do. Our character. It means a lot. And we're going to be dealing with that today. See, in verse 15 of John 17, the one that I read there, it gives us point number one. I'm going to give us two points here today. Okay, since my last sermon was pointless, I'm going to give you two, two points today. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. Point number one. Uh, how can we win the world? John 17, 15 tells us point number one. To be kept from evil. Uh, stay away from evil. Uh, no touchy mariachi. Stay away from that thing. See, when we stay away from evil, uh, and our holiness, and, 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 and you know, from worldliness, that's one of the keys that, to, to convert the world through our character. The first and foremost and primary way of bringing the world to belief is through the ministry of separation, consecration, and holiness. We're called to be holy. We're called to be different we got to stay unspotted, James says, from the world. Uh, can we, can we, you know, we can't touch it. Don't mess with it. Got to be careful. Now, we found out last week that I said, yes, we're, we're going to fall. 
uh, that's going to happen. But get up. Wash yourself out. That's why you got to come to church. That's why you got to get right. But stay awake as best as we can from evil. Uh, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. That's what he says right here. That's the key on how to win the world. And that's how they're going to believe. In other words, and I've used this illustration before, it's like a boat. We're like a boat. The boat is in the water, but it's not of the water. Uh, uh, and, and by the way, don't let the water get in the boat. Uh, that's the word. Don't let the world get in the boat. Uh, paddle, get, out, get away from it. Throw that thing out. Uh, so boat is, you know, in the ocean, but it's not of the ocean. Are you with me? See, we believers are called to go against the grain of the world, regardless of the strain. And it's not going to be easy staying away from the world. It's not. Uh, them that are godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's going to be tough. But in doing so, we prove to the world that we as believers have a foreign power inside of us that keeps us different from everybody else. Uh, a life above the circumstances. A life above reproach because we're above the water. Above reproach. Above the circumstances. Above the sin and above the muck and the mire of the world. Uh, we might call it the elevated life. See, we're to live a life that is outstanding, that will stand out and stick out to the non-believer. Uh, I think I wrote a poem one time, and I've said it before. And I was in prison when I wrote this, talking about bad is, facts are facts, bad is unaware. Okay, God's clients are giants compare. Uh, no, that might be a little too. Let me explain it to you. Professor Pineda here. That was during the Chicano movement and all that stuff, okay? And all that, all that man, black power, brown power, polka dot power, pink power, you know? All that kind of stuff. So to me, I said, facts are facts. You can't change them. Bad is unaware. I, I felt our people were bad because we were uneducated. Bad is unaware. But then all of a sudden, I just dropped in the poem. Uh, it says, God's clients, though, are giants compare. Because all of a sudden, I thought about people like Lady Taylor, who's going to be here in a, two weeks. I thought about her sister who was my Sunday school teacher. I thought about the Methodist church where I used to attend. There I was in prison, in the middle of the muck and the mire. And you've been in prison, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness. Huh? But then all of a sudden, God's clients are giants compared. In other words, I said, do you want to go into the Chicano power thing or do you want to be a Christian? I was preaching to myself. To me, God's clients were giants. The elevated life. They stayed away from sin. And they stood out to me. You stand out. And you understand that. People are watching. You want attention? Become a Christian. You don't have to have polka dot of green hair. Just be a Christian. Uh, I don't think I remember. You ever seen those people? Well, you've seen them. Uh, with all those spikes and all that stuff. They want attention. Been there, done that. Not green hair, though. Uh, but I've been there. I understand. Uh, <laughs> See, Romans... Chapter 10, chapter 11 speaks about provoking them to jealousy. Uh, what that means is provoking the world they, to jealousy. They want to be jealous. They're jealous of, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. Uh, we're supposed to do that. Uh, by the blessings of God upon our lives, you people stand out. When you get blessed, the devil don't like that. Man, look at them, man. You know, tell them, hey, I tithe. I give. I'm a giver. What can I say? Uh, 
Because in the beginning, when you start giving, they say, man, you're giving, you're, you're just giving to the church, man. Man, you know. But stick to the principle. Because sooner or later, they're going to see your blessings of God all over your life. Ah. See, that is how we're called by Christ in John 17 to witness. By our willingness to remain holy unto God. For if we should lose him, we're going to lose a good thing. Uh, see, the Apostle Paul, he knew the importance of staying pure and going through the fire in order to evangelize. Did you hear what I said? Because it's not easy staying away. What's easy is sinning. What's easy is, is just going with the flow. Uh, just, just, just doing all that stuff. It's hard to stay away from sin sometimes. Come on. Uh, don't lie. Oh, no, 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 no. What did we study last week? You, it says you, you make God a liar. You're a liar. Uh, you're fooling yourself now and you're fooling everybody else, but you can't fool God. Uh, aye, aye, aye. Paul understood that. Paul knew that a willingness to suffer and to stay holy was a heavy tool of evangelism. That's why he says in Philippians 3.10 that I might know him, remember that? And the power of his resurrection and what else? It's the fellowship of his sufferings. That's, a, that's an evangelism verse. He says, I want to know him. Yes, and, and his power of the resurrection. Kenneth Hagin and all that stuff. Uh, Benny Hinn, power. Uh, but there's more to that than power. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Because Paul knew that when you're suffering, people are checking you out. Paul knew that, hey, when I'm going through hard times and going through them, people are watching me and I'm evangelizing. Uh, people are checking me out. It's all right. Hey, world, look me over. Lend me an ear. Hallelujah. Paul knew that when a Christian is doing all that he or, can, he or she can do to stay pure, to stay away from evil, that even and especially in that, during the believer's hardest moments, the world is watching. Uh, if you come out victorious during your hard times, that makes you a great evangelist. And I've said this before, some of you older ones remember it, but I, some of you new ones don't know about it. The illustration about the pastor who got up on a Monday morning uh, some of you know it, about half of you, but the other half don't, so I'm going to say it for you. Uh, and Mondays are supposed to be Pastor's Day off. Maybe in the beginning when you're pioneering, but after a well, while, that's when I get the most phone calls. But they're supposed to. So the pastor got up on Monday morning, and he, he, he had two beautiful daughters. And uh, some kind of a son. What kind of an adjective could he use? No, but the, the son didn't play with dolls. Thank God. Uh, he wasn't into pink power. Uh, <laughs> so for two, his two beautiful daughters, he wanted to build them a dollhouse. But the pastor was more into the word than he was into the, if I had a hammer. Uh, but he had a, he, he put on, a, he got the hammer, the nails, and he put on a belt with all this stuff in it. And he was going to go build a dollhouse for his two, oh, she's in children's church, hallelujah. Uh, two beautiful daughters. Uh, so he was out there, got up early on Monday morning, building a dollhouse. And he noticed after a while there was a little kid on the other side, next door to him, on the, on the other side of the fence, looking at him. Checking him out, checking him out. So he keeps at it. Half hour later, he looks, the little kid's still there. And so, you know, he keeps building. An hour later, little kid's still there. And so now he starts getting all, you know, acting all bad. To ours, he's still watching. He says, then he asked the little kid, um, so why do you keep watching me? Do you, do you want to learn how to build a, you know, you want some carpentry techniques? 
Is that why you're watching me? You want to learn how to build a real nice house? He goes, the little boy goes, oh, no. The reason I keep watching is I want to find out what a pastor says when he hits himself with his thumb with a nail, with a hammer. Uh, <laughs> See, when you're going through some hard times, it's when everybody's watching. They want to know what you're made of when push comes to a shove. That's evangelism. You want to win the world? Then welcome all trials. Well, the ones that come. Don't go looking for them. I already know. I'm talking from experience here. Don't go looking for trials. Oh, I want to evangelize. Hit me. There's a devil. He's going to make sure you get hit. Don't worry about it. But how you handle them is so very vital, so very important. See, Paul knew the principle. Paul knew the effects of living and overcoming holy Christian life. Matthew 21, 33. Turn to it very quick. Matthew 21, 33. And today I'm giving you the two most powerful, that I believe, scriptures on evangelism. In, in, in Philippians 3.10 and Matthew 21, 33. Because the very same principle applies here. Do you have Matthew 21, 33? I'll wait. Some of you are still turning. It says there, listen to another parallel or parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it. This is all taken from Isaiah. And built a watchtower. Put a 7-Eleven there. Remember that? Then he rented to the vineyard to some farmers and went out on a journey. What this parable is talking about is that God would rather have you soiled but not spoiled. Get dirty, down and dirty, but don't get spoiled. See, when it happened here, it's talking about the Jews. This parable is about the Jews. Uh, and what, what he had done with the Jews, Jesus is saying, he's talking to the Jewish people. He says, you know what? You people got spoiled. Because what I did is you know, I, I, I built everything around. I took care. I built a hedge of protection. Uh, I, I, I built a, a watchtower. I took care of the, the, the ground real nice, which Isaiah says, quoting this parable. Beautiful. Everything was taken care of. Put a 7-Eleven there so you could have the Jehovah Java. Maybe, maybe I should, we should change it out to, a, I put a Starbucks there. Uh, and if you had it real easy, real nicey, comfy, comfy. But then as you read the parable, the parable says you were, they were supposed to go evangelize. But they didn't. they didn't. They didn't do what God had told them to do because they were spoiled. They had it easy. They could have coffee anytime they wanted to. They, could, they had it real nice. They had it made in the shade with lemonade. And Paul understood that principle. That's why he writes in Philippians 3.10, I don't want to be spoiled like some of my fellow Jews are. If, I, if you're going to give me trials, then give me trials. Show me your trials and I'll show you who you are anyways. I'll show you who you are by your trials. That's when we grow big men that come out of the home. Well, because of big trials. <laughs> really, these guys are to be commended and saluted. It's not easy to go through the homes. Even in Pittsburgh, hallelujah. Uh, and, and any homes. Uh, it's not easy. You got to and through sit under preaching like this, long sermons, whoo, the trials. Uh, <laughs> uh, but again, show me your trials and I'll show you who you are. That's what... Jesus was telling the Jewish people, you guys got spoiled. I'd rather have you soiled, down and dirty, than spoiled. Uh, Paul knew the, the importance of being kept from evil. So that the world might believe. So very vital, so very important. 
Uh, see, Jesus prayed in John 17, 15, that Christians would not be taken out of the world. Why? Because the world needs us, and we need the world. I preached another sermon on this, and that's, that was the basis of my other sermon on, on this scripture. Why are we not supposed to be taken out of the world? I just told you. Because the world needs us. They need us. They need our testimony. And we need the world. Why? Because the world will make us go through trials. So we need to get strong. Paul understood that principle, and so did Jesus. See, without us, the world would be headed to hell on a grease pole. But God doesn't want us out of the world until the joy of evangelism is complete. Do you think it would be dumb for Dusty Baker to, to trade Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent? Yes! You've got to keep them until they win something. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't want them to win the pennant. The Dodgers got to win. They kept Sheffield, you know? Ah. Uh, but, you know, that'd be dumb. I got to keep them in the world. They got to keep them in the game. It'd be dumb to get rid of Jeff Kent and, and uh, 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 you know, Barry Bonds. Well, you're the Jeff Kent and the Barry Bonds of the world. Christianity's perspective, how you see things. Don't belittle yourself. You're the MVP of this world. We're not gonna, supposed to be taken out of this world because you're important. You're valuable to this world. Without you, the world, they can't get evangelized. You got to go through the muck and the mire and the fire at times. Uh, don't get sissified, hallelujah, is what I'm trying to say. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Now, how can I use that scripture with this message? Because to shed blood, you've got to go through some hard times. Uh, you're going to have to go through some hard times every now and then. It's not going to be easy. It wasn't easy being Jesus, going to the cross, and it's not going to be easy being a Christian. See, in order to win the world, there has to be a few hard-fought battles. Even a little bit of bloodshed is going to happen. Ah. Uh, the Bible also says in Amos 6.1, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Because when you're at ease and in leisure, not too many good things happen. Have it made in the shade with lemonade. Then the second thing, point number two. The second point here that Jesus brings out in John 17 regarding evangelism through character is found in verse 21. Look at John 17 verse 21. It says there that all of them may be one. Okay, verse 23 says, to complete unity, to let the world know. Unity. That's, that's point number two. Uh, that through a willingness to be united together as one, that through that unity, the world might believe. So they're one through people that are willing to go through hard times, and then they're one through people that go through it together. Together, together. Uh, see, it takes a lot of character you know, to go get along with people. Years ago, I had in a sermon, I quoted a poem, but I'm going to quote it again here today. It said, to dwell above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. Talking about heaven. But to dwell below with saints we know, now that's a different story. She's still saved. God. When is she going to backslide? Tragic. Terrible. No, she's not. You got to get along. Little doggies, hallelujah. For you know that heaven will be your new home. You got to get along. See, especially, you got to learn to bend and, and be docile. That's the word, bend but don't break. Go with the flow. Go with everybody else. 
Ah, especially in a diversified ministry like Victory Outreach Hayward. We have all kinds of people. And you've got to learn to do that. You've got to learn to get along. You gotta, you're going to have to learn to eat grits, and grits are going to have to learn to eat beans. Ah, and beans are going to have to learn to eat spaghetti, and spaghetti's going to have to learn how to eat, you know, ham hocks, and greens, and collard greens. We got it. Even if you don't like it, oh, it's good. You got you to do it. Hallelujah. Ah. Chew it. Hallelujah. See, we have a diversified races here. Different backgrounds, different shapes, especially that. Hallelujah. Huh? Different age groups, different cities, different cultures. But when they all come together to worship, that, people, people trip out on that. Uh, people, uh, thank God that we have a diversified body. Uh, and again, I, I, I like what Pastor Mando says. He says, I'm not a Chicano, I'm a Cristiano. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not a, you know, I'm a brown pigmentation, but I'm a Christian first and foremost. I'm a child of God first and foremost. And we should be able to get along. Man, I wish Rodney King belonged to our congregation. Hallelujah. Ah, he needs to get saved. Go someplace. But what a testimony to an unbelieving world that is. When you see people getting together. Uh, see, the Apostle Paul, he knew the tie between unity and evangelism. Look at Philippians 3.2 and, and Philippians 4.2. Look at this. He knew the tie. Just to get back with the Apostle Paul. As I get close to closing. Philippians 3.2 and Philippians 4.2. Do you have it? Philippians 3.2 says, uh, I'm not going to go to the first one. Watch out for dogs. <laughs> those men who do evil. Those mutilators of the flesh. Now look at chapter 4, verse 2. I plead with Uriah and I plead with Sentichi to agree or get along with each other in the Lord. Paul knew the importance of getting along. Uh, so very vital. So you can, in other words, people that were mutilating the body. It was talking about dogs. And I've preached on this before. Beware of dogs. Uh, some of you know about dogs. But it's talking about a dog in heat. And many of you have heard me preach on this before. Have you ever tried to tell a dog in heat? No, you can't. You can't go. <laughs> you barking to me. Uh, <laughs> they, you, they can't. They're, they're going to get what they want when, as, as quick as they can. And that was happening in the body, in the Philippian church. There were rebels that you couldn't tell them no. You talking to me, S.A.? Uh, they'll, they'll mutilate. They'll, they'll, they'll get rid of you, man. Uh, but that's dumb. Especially when, you know, if, if you get rid of your pastor, it's like mutilating the head. Some people do that. Uh, I like the church with the pastor. Man, you'd be a headless body. Uh, but that's what happens when you're mutilation. That's what Paul's talking about. Uh, then these two women were not getting along. Sometimes women can't get along. She's got my dress on. I was going to wear that for Easter. Uh, man, she could have said it for Palm Friday. <laughs> See, John 17 is admonishing us that evangelism begins and ends with character. Character. Uh, we're more, you know, what we are means more than what we do. Uh, see, we're dealing with a society out here that 
and we need to understand, not, nobody's hopeless. Nobody's beyond hopelessness. God can save everybody. Uh, and we need to understand that. But we need to be, stay away from evil. And we need to be careful with, stay away from divisions and strifes. Don't be private and party to gossip and all that madness. Got to be careful. Uh, unity is so very vital. So very important that they might believe. I've told you the illustration of, or the Greek interpretation of unity. What is that? Blocking all the exits. That's what unity means in the Greek. Blocking all the exits. Uh, because what happens is there would be a fire and you would try to get out. And all the exits were blocked. What would you have to do? You'd all have to gather together and fight together to put out the fire. That's why unity means that. It wouldn't matter what color you are. It wouldn't matter what size you are. It wouldn't matter what dialect you were. As long as you could throw water on the fire. As long as you could fight the devil. As long as you could win souls. As long as you could go through trials. As long as you could stay away from evil. That's all that matters. Together is to gather. John 6, when it says, go gather the fragments that are left. Gather together. See, without unity, you can't reap. Without unity, you can't gather. Stay with me now as I close here. You have to have unity. Things will not be released by God without unity. There's a principle in, in unity. God will not release gathering. He won't release people getting saved unless we're together. He won't. There won't be no power to win souls. We'll just stay like this unless we're together. That's why a lot of churches don't grow. They're not going to grow. But if we're together in unity, then God releases the power of salvation. Oh, that's a principle of unity. It's very powerful. If two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. But you've got to gather together. Oh, the Tower of Babel. Remember that? That was for evil and for terrible. But God understood the power of unity and he had to come and, and give them different tongues. Because there was too much power. Because they were, all get, they were building a huge tower. There's power in the tower. Ah, so he had to give them all different languages. A house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot reap. A house divided cannot gather. Because it's not together. But when a house is together... Oh, remember Adam and Eve? God divided that family. The very first household. Excuse me, not God, the devil, Satan. Because Satan understands the power of unity. Right away, he came to Adam and Eve and he, and he divided. Ah, oh, the children. Ah, oh, Ham and Seth and He divided them. Ah, oh, Cain and Abel divided them. Because he understood the power of unity. When we have the power of unity here, wow. Uh, then God will start releasing his power of salvation. People are going to believe, they're going to say, man, I knew that guy. I knew that. They didn't get along in the world. That's in the world. And we're still in the world, but we're not of the world no more. We're going to get along. You know, I was debating when I, I had about three different sermons I was, that I put together. And I debated up until almost the last moment. But I thank God I picked this one. You know, because we need to understand the power of unity. The ability to, willing to take for the gospel's sake. That's evangelism. We can't be selfish. We can't be. Uh, that's implosion. All me. We need to explode. Take out the gospel to the four corners of the earth. Uh, but character is such a key.
to winning people. Stay away, unspotted from the world. Stay away from evil. The people are checking you out. The minute you don't, you lose your testimony. Oh, man, you don't want that. And then get along. Because that's where the power of God will be released. I want the power of God released here. A house divided cannot gather, cannot stand, cannot reap. We won't reap if we're not in this to win this together. We need each other. I need every one of you. And every one of you need each other. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. To gather together. Satan will always try and divide a house. Spiritual house as well. Did it with Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve. He'll try and do it with one another. To divide. But where two or three agree and gather together in my name. Gather. There I am in their midst. They shall ask what they will and it shall be done unto them. We want souls, Jesus. We want souls. Yes, we're going to heaven, but we don't want to go alone. We want to be good testimonies. We want to stay away from evil. And we want to be in unity. And that takes a lot of character. A lot of character. You got the hammer and the world is watching. The hammer is in your hand. And the world is watching. They're listening. And how you go through your trials will determine the effectiveness of your evangelism. Your willingness to get along with other people of nat other nationalities, other races, other neighborhoods. This church is called to go to the world. It's very vital how we learn to get along with people. Every head is bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of God, moving to ministry. And I want to pray for those of you that have been challenged.